Morning, church. Welcome to Trinity. Welcome to those here in person and those who are with us online. A joy, a privilege to be able to gather together on the Lord's Day to make much of the grace we have received from God to champion that together. And we get to do that now as we turn to the Word. And so if you have your Bible, please turn to Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 9 through 13 as we continue our One Another series, Cultivating a Gospel Community. Seeing the kind of place be, uh, become more and more prevalent in our church family where we are holding up and holding out good news to each other in such a way that it encourages us all the more to treasure Christ through all of life. This series is hopefully an encouragement to you and will be as we move through it this summer as we look at one another passages in the New Testament. Today we're going to be considering honor one another. So let's hear God's word from Romans chapter 12 verses 9 through 13. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. A lot to tackle there. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your grace. It brings new life. Where there was once death, it, it draws, uh, draws near when we are far. God, your grace is greater than all of our sin. We take great comfort and hope in that, and I pray that you would help us take great comfort and hope in that all the more. So as we consider what life looks like together, As a result of this grace, help us to have hearts that are resting joyful in the grace that you have provided through your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Being the center of attention is a challenging endeavor. Some of us in here would buckle under the weight of being the center of attention. Others would thrive in it, or at least we think we would. When it comes to life in the church... The center of attention dynamic plays a huge role. It's a huge variable in the shaping of the culture of a church. Here's how that can play out. When we are the center of attention, meaning we want things to go our way or receive praise for the work we do, other people become enablers to that end or obstacles to overcome. And then when the inverse of that is true, when we make others the center of attention, we operate or run with a a running anxiety over acceptance and approval and growth, or we run with discouragement over the lack of those things. So whether it's the chase for approval or the discouragement of its absence, those things dominate and debilitate our hearts. So it can go wrong when the center of attention is wrong. So what do we do? Well, when Christ is the center of attention for a church, our acceptance is eternally secure. And our belonging together is filled with a growing harmony. And it's in that context where Christ is the center of attention 
that we actually have the joy and freedom to go about honoring one another without the traps that could come with it. The best way to go about honoring one another, showing honor to one another, outdoing one another and showing honor is to keep Christ's center of attention in the life and heart and pulse of our church. And that's what we hope for. We would love for that all the more in our church to truly be cultivating a gospel-shaped community. And when we do that, we can go about honoring one, one another. And honoring one another is going to be marked with some indicators of how the gospel is taking root in us, in our hearts, in our lives. Those things that come with honoring with one another will be good fruit, if you will, to the gospel taking root in us. The first thing that we will consider as we look at this simple little expression, outdo one another in showing honor, is that it is going to be marked with affectionate regard. There is affectionate regard for one another in the life of a church that's being cultivated by the gospel. And then secondly, we'll find as we consider this expression in Romans 12.10, is not only is it affectionate regard, but it is abundant respect. Abundant respect. Because of all that we have received in the gospel, we have everything we need to live with affectionate regard for one another and abundant respect toward one another. And who wouldn't want to be a part of a community like that, that's being shaped like that and growing like that and thriving with that? I know I would. I know you would. I know other people would. So let's take this seriously together. First, affectionate regard. Affectionate regard for one another is, if it's anything, it's an application of gospel reality. It's the application that we together strive for in, in light of the gospel, in light of who God is and what God has done for us through the person and work of Jesus Christ. It, it's, it's keeping center the, the incredible work of Christ on our behalf, who lived a life that we could not live and died a death that we deserved and defeated an enemy we could never defeat, sin, Satan, and death. And, and not only that, is reigning and ruling and one day returning so that we could go about living out the rest of our lives in eternity, enjoying God and glorifying Him forever. All of that is the overflow of God's grace and His love and His purpose and His promise and His plan that He set forth before time began. It's in that context that we get to apply this into the way that we live. God has been so overwhelmingly generous and kind to us. And, and his kindness is to lead to our repentance, a turning away from one way of living to embrace his way. That's what we have received. And so as we're looking at what that does to the way it changes our thoughts and the way we look at life and live it out and apply it, we cannot divorce what God has done in the gospel from the manner in which we live. So this affectionate regard is an application of a gospel reality. God has saved our souls. So we get to be kind people because God has been so kind to us. Now, in that, we find that honoring one another, outdoing one another, and showing honor is within the context of love. Look again at verses 9 and 10. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. 
Love one another with brotherly affection. And we find here a general principle. Let love be general, or excuse me, genuine. Let love be genuine. Let it be real. Let it be authentic. Let it be honest. Let it be genuine. Don't come to church and play fake. Like be honest and genuine. We see this general principle, but then the rest of the passage and the rest of Romans 12 is sort of a practical outworking of that. The first place we find a practical outworking is that genuine love is full of brotherly and sisterly affection. How do we know genuine love is taking root in our church that the fruit of brotherly and sisterly affection for one another is in full measure? And we care for one another in, in, in meaningful ways. And then we see that this practical outworking of let love be genuine shows up in that this affection that we are to have with and for one another is to characterize the regard that is shown to one another. This affection is to characterize the way we go about honoring one another. And because of what we have received in the gospel, because of what we've received from Christ, because of grace, honoring moves from a duty into a delight. It's not an obligation. It's the overflow of what we have received. That's what's to mark this thing called the church. How then can we have such an affection for one another? We're such different people from different lives and experiences and backgrounds and hopes and dreams. And this eclectic thing called the church. How can we go about having an affection for one another? Because we might actually end up disagreeing on a whole bunch of things. So how then do we go about having affection for one another? Well, it is only by regarding one another through the lens of the gospel can that be done. If we get rid of the lens of the gospel, we will either create cliques or develop calluses. That's what we'll do. We'll either create cliques of approved people or we'll have calluses because we've been burned or we're not in the clique that we wish we were in. That's what happens. Pop the gospel lens out. That's going to happen. So how do we regard each other by the lens of the gospel? Well, we talked about that last week. The, the grace that we have received changes the way we look at things, at ourselves, at others. It changes us. Think of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. These are going to be some familiar words, but think of it in light of what we're considering right now. Listen to what Paul says here. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. So he's looking at everything differently because of gospel. Changed the way that he sees people and Christ. 
Then he goes on to say, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. How can you have deep and abiding, lasting affection and regard for one another? You see that they are now a new creation because of the grace of God. The old is gone. That old was dead, hard-hearted, against God, orphaned, wandering, lost in the world, and it's gone. And the new is here. It is alive, treasured, son, precious, daughter. That is how you have affection. You look at each other through that lens. And the good news is, when we keep Christ the center of attention, it keeps us all on a level playing field. We're all in deep need of His grace, and we're all here. Hopefully, we're all here because we've been rescued by His grace. And if we're here and we're not rescued by by His grace, I hope that this is the day that that happens for you. This is what we have and how we can look at it. Now, I do want to say this one caveat. It doesn't mean everyone will be everyone's best friend. (laughs) We all have different relational capacities. (laughs) But that doesn't change the fact that we, because of the grace we have received, can have true, genuine, affectionate regard for one another. Let me, let me illustrate it in a very specific and dear and personal way for me. I love basketball. Should be no secret by now. I love NBA playoffs even most of all. I actually love it more than March Madness. It's true. The best teams are playing each other. And it's exciting, it's exhilarating for me watching as a fan of the sport. But you know what I love the most is that team that's so dialed in together that they, they make that extra pass. They swing the ball from one side of the court and, and player, professional basketball player, passing up an open shot because the next guy has a better shot and he passes it to the next guy because he's even more open and by by the time it gets to the guy in the corner he catches that for a wide open corner three and the whole team erupts it's a beautiful picture it's it's art it's poetry in motion and i tear up when i see it And when that player hits that corner three and the bench erupts and the guys on the court fist pump each other and and whatnot, they deferred to the next person because it was best for their team. I love it. it. It's awesome. It's even more awesome when that's the culture of a church. When we celebrate the work that God is doing in and through someone's life, Impacting their family or friends, serving in, in awesome ways in the life of the church. We, we celebrate and fist pump, and we know that that's actually good for the whole. That sort of affectionate regard is to mark our honoring one another. Showing honor in the church is like the swing pass in basketball. It is far greater to delight in others than in self. And just to keep the basketball metaphor going, no one likes a ball hog. No one wants to play with a ball hog. (laughs) 
and teams filled with players who are delighted in their teammates' successes more than their own go on to do special things. And so it is with the church that we would have that level of affectionate regard for one another. That's all wrapped up there in that verse 10, outdo one another in showing honor. What else is wrapped up in that is that we are to have an abundant respect. And what that really means and what that's getting at, which is very fascinating what Paul says here in outdoing one another and showing honor, is that he wants us to be leading by example. Look at that again in verse 10. Outdo one another in showing honor. Be ultra competitive in being selfless. Ultra competitive in being selfless. It means to, to go before and show the way. That's what he's saying. Go before one another and lead the way at what it looks like to care about other people more than yourself. <laughs> so fascinating. It's like racing to hold the door open. <laughs> that we would be a bunch of people racing to hold the door open for one another rather than expecting that door to be held open for us. Fascinating verb that Paul uses, not used elsewhere really, but employs it right here to show that the outworking of love in the life of the church is that we race ahead to make much of others. Think about that. And the ethos and the care and the culture of a church. What would that feel like? I think that would be wonderful. <laughs> Other than all of us like getting jammed up in the doorway. But what a great thought and feel that would be. There are two nuances to this showing honor that Paul uses here that are important for us to see. How do we see this take shape in the life of the church? Well, there's, again, two nuances of outdoing one another and showing honor. The first is this. We esteem others. We esteem others. Now keep in mind, when Christ is center, we have the joy and freedom to esteem others, not chasing their acceptance or not trying to get some sort of backdoor you know, compliment. We actually have the joy and freedom to, to esteem others because all of our issues of acceptance and, 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 and belonging are all tied and tethered to Jesus. No, nothing's going to shake that. So now we have the joy and the freedom to esteem others. And so my heart for our church is that we would be a place where people come to treasure Christ through all of life. That's the hope. That's the vision. That's the aim. That's the dream. That we would be a place where people come and grow at treasuring Christ through all of life, whatever life might be. And that esteeming others isn't just saying you're awesome. Though we do want to be encouragers. We do want to encourage one another. That's not the only angle of what esteeming others looks like. Esteeming others would be to care so much about other people coming to grow at treasuring Christ through all of life. That you see immeasurable worth in their lives and you want them to see the immeasurable joy that is theirs in Christ. That's what Paul is digging at. That's one of the nuances here. 
and outdoing one another and showing honor that you want to live and serve and lead in such a way that it, it helps other people come to see how awesome Christ is for them in their life. Not how awesome you are, not how awesome your church is, how awesome Jesus is, how he's worth all, all the worship, all the service, all the making much of. He's worth it. What does it look like? Well, it means that 60-year-olds can go about caring for young families by being willing to serve them and love on their toddlers. It means families going about caring for singles, young and old, and inviting and including them in their families' activities and events and even vacations. It means 40-year-olds serving 20-year-olds because they know that decade is filled with some very unique life experiences that blow up worldviews. And 40-year-olds aren't as old as parents and not as young as older brother. They get to be cool aunt, cool uncle. It means being willing to walk through long, hard roads with those who have deep physical or emotional or mental struggles. It means you esteem them and you want them to treasure Christ and you'll walk that long road with them. It means seeing other people come to treasure Christ more. If you want to esteem the people in here, those who are on, watching online, those who call Trinity home, live by leading and pointing forward how awesome Christ is. It means you're not looking for what you can get from church, but how we can all become more satisfied in Christ. We esteem others. Second nuance that Paul is using by employing this verb is that not only do we esteem others, but we check our expectations. We check them. We check them. Sure, yes, labor to have the expectation that Christ will be made much of. It is overwhelmingly appropriate and expectant that we should expect biblical, theological, gospel soundness in the doctrine and culture of the church. Absolutely, yes, expect that. Plead for that, labor in that, absolutely. But that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about that self-centered expectation. Self-centeredness with expectations about what church will be for you poisons the water well. The water well that we're all drawn upon. Being self-absorbed in expectations brings poison to that water. Un- undoes the church. And if we're all doing that, it's just vitriolic. So we have to check our expectations. And when we project our self-centered expectations on the church or others in the church, we just bring a furthering wedge into our unity, which is why we've got to go all the way back to where I started. The center of attention in the life of the church is to be the grace of God to us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is for us 
our lifeblood. And in that, our hearts are affirmed in Christ. And in that central thought and feel and, thought and, and action of Christ and Him crucified, our lives are equipped to go about showing one another honor. Good news. The good news of the gospel isn't just to get you saved, but it's for every saved day of your life. We must draw upon that well. Now keep in mind, when we go about honoring others in the way that we see employed here in Romans and other places in the New Testament, it actually goes well for us too. Think back to the Ten Commandments. There's the one that says, children, do what? Honor your parents. Why? It will go well for you in the land. Church, honor one another. For it will go well for you in this life together. Now, to close this time, I want to make an immediate and intentional application of showing honor. These... Last 16 months have certainly been a very challenging time in so many ways for all of us in, in every sphere of life. And, and at our church, and I'm grateful for Robert's prayer this morning, praying and rejoicing in the many ways that people have served and labored to keep things together here at Trinity. I know that I have many people that I would want to honor right now, but, I, but before I would like catalog a list, I do want to honor before our church family Anna Wendell. Anna heads up our Trinity Health team, which... How many? How many people? Yeah. Um, I have a list of over 30 that I'll share later. Okay. Yeah. 30 people? 30. Well, that was more than I thought. So that's great. Thank you. <laughs> Fantastic. Wow. Well, she headed up the health team and went above and beyond in, in helping us understand and apply all the myriad and fine print guidelines that our national, state, and local government gave us over the past 16 months so as that we could then meet safely as possible uh, during the, the, the real trying times of COVID. Her leadership was selfless and precise. It was compassionate and definitely was available. I don't know if any of you had to read the fine print of any of those things, but she did and, and, and those around her on that team, um, even though you went through a, your own busy continuing education and accomplished great things. So she served and loved and led in, in such impressive ways that we should honor her. Thank you. Thank you. Honoring one another is a good thing for the life of the church. To not have a context where honor can be shared and rejoiced in. Oh, just the thought of that. So let us labor together to keep Christ's sinner. And from that center, let us 
honor one another. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, your kindness to us. We thank you so much that you have rescued us from our sin and that you bring us to a life that we get to know you and enjoy you and glorify you, and we get to do that forever. And we get to do that together. Help us do that together in increasing ways. All to your glory and all to our good. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.